0: welcome to the bill walton show featuring conversations with leaders entrepreneurs artists and thinkers fresh perspectives on money culture politics and human flourishing interesting people interesting things welcome to the bill walton show i'm bill walton look around the world today everywhere there are As the old adage goes from the Bible, there are wars and rumors of war. Russia and Ukraine, China, Taiwan, North Korea, talking about invading South Korea, Iran, back back in the headlines, letting loose terror upon Sunni Arabs and Israel. Uh, The the German general von Klostwith told us that war is an extension through politics, through other means. Well, today, politics has gone mad. Um, as America's failed wars in Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, they've all shown mission creep can be catastrophic, and mission creep in the world is gathering steam. Uh, Russia is now massing up to 700,000 troops on Ukraine's borders for a winter offensive. Uh, Vlad- Vladimir Zelensky, reliably Ukraine's president, is now calling on uh, the international community to use nuclear weapons on Russia, and now we have the stunning sight of a of a mysterious Chinese satellite balloon hovering ominously ominously over the United States. Uh, we need our leaders to start making some better decisions uh, and to talk through this uh, uh, how we work through this mess. I'm joined by my reliable geo geopolitical strategist Brandon Weikert. You all know Brandon, uh, geopolit- geopolitical analyst and publisher of the Waiker Report. He also is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, and The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy. Um, so, Brandon, where do you want to start? Should we start with the balloon, or do you want to start with uh, nuking uh, Moscow? <laughs> we're, we're, in an opportun- we're in an opportunity-rich environment here, my friend.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, we can. Uh, we, they're they're sort of linked. Uh, the two things, they are I like, think. Yeah. 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 So so basically, you've got on one hand the end. As my my friend in the Air Force corrected me, he said, "Stop calling it a balloon." He said, "It's an endo-atmospheric satellite." And so I said, yeah, but it sounds sexier to say balloon, and it also sounds funnier to say balloon. Um, But the bottom line is that this um, this technology that's that's penetrated our porous airspace. um, It's a surveillance piece of equipment, and um, there's been some nightmare scenarios. Maybe it's an electromagnetic pulse weapon. Maybe it's a biological contaminant. That's certainly a possibility. I don't think that's what it is. Uh, The Chinese have used these kinds of balloons for the last 10 years over the South China Sea. Uh, They are used to augment Chinese satellite surveillance Mm. capabilities, which basically they use these um, high altitude uh, balloons to track U.S. Navy warships operating in the South China Sea and to enhance China's ability to target those warships if a war were to erupt. And so this is part of that program, Uh, the fact that they sent it over to our territory. If you look at what part of the country it was surveilling, um, this is a part of the United States where we have a large cluster of intercontinental ballistic missile silos. This is a part of the country where the North Dakota, that Grand Forks uh, facility that the Chinese were trying to buy farmland by, um, that facility controls a large number of our very advanced satellites in orbit. And this kind of balloon can actually track and intercept signals they think from low earth orbiting satellites.
0: Well, if it's not a weapon, uh, why don't we shoot it down?
1: Well, and now, I don't know if you saw about two hours ago, uh, there was a story in the Daily Mail which said- remind,
0: we're recording this, uh, where we, Saturday, February 4. Yes,
1: so this morning at around 8 a.m. Uh, On February 4th, there was a story unconfirmed uh, in the Daily Mail uh, that shows the picture of a bizarre missile streaking towards something in the Montana sky early in the morning and blowing it up. So the military has not confirmed that they they clipped this thing. Um, I've not gotten any confirmation from people that I know in the Pentagon off the record, but it's a very caustic image. I posted it on my Twitter. Um, It's a good article. Uh, But it's unconfirmed. Yeah, I saw so the image, but I,
0: I thought the balloon—or what? Are, what are we calling this? We're calling it the endo
1: atmospheric satellite. Endo satellite. <laughs>
0: atmospheric satellite—that's a mouthful. Uh, I know, it's so a I, balloon. <laughs> you know, I—I I thought I'd seen the, the images that it was drifted further away from Montana, which would yeah, be that's a very safe place. Yeah, so.
1: so this is why it's very confusing right now. There's a lot of misinformation. Well, the,
0: the, the, the the we ought to bring up the real threat here—that's EMP, electromagnetic. Mm-hmm. Pulse. and and you know we had the great Peter Pryon many times I did yeah. great friend, great thinker yeah. we're so so sorry he's gone we need him um, and you know my fear was that this they said this could contain up to 100 200 pounds of extra yeah. extra weight putting yeah. some sort of device in If there were a, a nuclear device and you shot it down or shot at it or blew it up that could that could uh, trigger an electromagnetic pulse Absolutely. would it down shut down the, you know, the electric grid and the internet and, and and all our communication.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's the worst case scenario. Um, I, I, (laughs) I, I I don't know if China's ready to go that far yet. I think this is a proof of concept. I think they're just testing to see what they can get away with. Um, The fact that these, these balloons are used in the South China Sea for surveillance. I, I think we're probably in the clear in terms of this being an EMP. Um, it's certainly a possibility, though. Maybe that one coming up from Latin America does have something very bad on board. I don't know. But my, my thought process, why I said that this situation and the nuking of Moscow are linked, um, I think that this was... Um, the Chinese are trying to get very detailed, actionable intelligence on the state of readiness of our nuclear weapons uh, arsenal. Um, I know that most Americans kind of laugh when they hear Zelensky say he wants us to nuke Moscow. Most people say, well, yeah, his country's under siege. Um, the Americans aren't going to do that. But but I actually think that that the Chinese don't know that we're not going to do that. And I think that many... Countries in the world are very surprised how far we've gone in supporting Ukraine to the point that we are talking openly about overthrowing Putin, uh, dismembering the Russian Federation, uh, and possibly even going to nuclear war over Ukrainian sovereignty. Um, And so I think that this might have just been a a fact finding mission to augment Chinese surveillance of our nuclear readiness. And I think that b this is also maybe uh, China having a little fun with us. Um, look at what they did. This is the sole remaining superpower the United States supposedly is. And we've been ground to a halt by a balloon. This is a country that put men on the moon and we couldn't handle a balloon being in our our presence on the eve of what was supposed to be this big uh meeting between tony blinken and the chinese leadership over global warming and what did china say when we caught them red-handed they said oh this is a global warming monitoring balloon that got off course i think they're also having a little fun with us i think they're trying to humiliate us and maybe even send signals to those fence-sitting asian countries uh, like south korea and the philippines hey you think the americans have your back against us they can't even protect
0: their own airspace well, Joe Biden's told us Columbus, global global warming is a bigger threat than China. Yeah. So um, think about That's that. Scary. But yeah. but Brandon, you wrote a book called Space War. And how does this fit into that? I mean, it strikes me that we should have certainly not let not let this end up over U.S. territory. Do we not have the perimeter defenses to see this before it ends up over the continental United States? Well, the Pentagon says that they
1: tracked this thing coming in from the Aleutian Islands and that it was was
0: just, and they thought it was just fine. I mean, this is, I, I, uh,
1: I, you know, this is, this is the thing is that my understanding is that when we detected this thing coming in from the Aleutian Islands, off the coast of Alaska, going in through Canada, we could have taken it out at any point, but there was a political decision in the white house made to let it just pass by quietly because the biden administration didn't want to rock the boat going into these global warming negotiations with china and they worried that if they shot it down that the chinese would freak out and leave the meeting before
0: anything could get done see that's my point though we got people in the white house that think global warming is a bigger threat than people trying to
1: kill us so just think about this if it (laughs) wasn't for a local montana newspaper reporting the images that an airline pilot took of this thing. The Biden administration was going to cover it up. The Biden administration was not going to let this happen. So we have people running our country. You're completely correct. We have people running our country who are on the one hand, sloppily courting nuclear war with a has-been power like Russia, And at the same time, bending over backwards to kowtow to the Chinese, the new Chinese hegemon uh, over this made up issue of global warming or catastrophic global warming. And so we have leaders, elections have consequences. We have leaders leading us who are leading us to our ruin, and they will gladly lead us to our ruin. And if it wasn't for a local Montana newspaper, we wouldn't have known about any of this. This would have been just another conspiracy theory on the Internet.
0: Well, you're certainly making my day. Uh, it, it's wor- it's you're making it's it's worse than I thought. I mean, they, so yeah. Uh, but so is this Victoria Newland? Is this uh, uh, Jake Sullivan? as a uh, who in who in the White House is in favor of um, placating China? Except except maybe our President uh, Joe Biden, who's had um, some with the Chinese. I think this is so.
1: So my friend Josh Rogan at the Washington Post was reporting yeah. this before he was elected as during the transition, that there were three power centers in the White House, that there was the the kind of the more hawkish element led by a guy named Kirk Campbell. Tony Blinken was a little bit on that side, but he's sort of a floater. Uh, there was another group that's just the political hacks that are just worried about always making Biden look good. And then you've got you've got also the Kamala Harris wing. And then you've also got the John Kerry Susan Rice wing, which are the doves. They're the appeasers,
0: they're the ones who want the Iran nuclear deal. Hey, tell, tell me about the tell me about the Kamala Harris uh wing. What is, (laughs) well, her, her whole task is to
1: basically build out a, a portfolio for herself and to try to elevate herself at a policy level to give herself more believability as a potential successor when and if Biden is no longer in power. Well, and they told her and, and
0: they told her they were going to give her the balloons. And right. she thought that was going to be some sort of carnival. Um or astute, yeah, well, uh, she's
1: done a bang-up job with the border so far. Yeah, she's been great. Well, I didn't um, yeah. even
0: mention the border at the outset. Yeah. We've got uh, well, we a well, think about this a also,
1: Bill, it. just as a thought experiment. Our enemies are looking at us going, we let 5 million people on, you know, on registered people into our country. And
0: we don't know who they are.
1: And we don't know who they are. And now we have no protected airspace. Why would anybody fear the Americans? This is why, by the way, on Friday, South Korea's president is having a public meltdown about not having a reliable American nuclear protection anymore, that they don't believe in South Korea. The Americans... Uh, can have their back, not because we don't want to have their back, but because we literally can't do it anymore.
0: So if they started a nuclear program, I've lost track of who has nukes. Do do (laughs) they have them yet? Uh, No, but they're talking about it
1: seriously now because they don't think that the United States has any staying power. I mean, our own allies, I mean, think about this. Our own allies no longer believe that we are a reliable power. Saudi Arabia, which absolutely needs us to survive, the Saudis are now, you know, picking apart the dollar dominance, go helping the Russians and the Chinese to go after the supremacy of King dollar as a, as the world's reserve currency. So you have yeah, our yeah. own friends picking us are apart they doing, they are they,
0: they, they're no longer doing petrodollars. dollars or doing petro won.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, they're starting to incorporate it. They're still gonna yeah. do, they're just gonna allow some trades to happen to see how it goes. But our own friends are, you know, when you're weak on the world stage. It's like blood in the water with sharks. You know, every animal's going to come at you, not because they don't like you necessarily, but it's because why wouldn't they? It's in their nature. So it behooves us to have a leadership that understands that and that's strong. And I've I've been critical over the last year, of President Trump, on on some of what of the things he's done or said. But I was a Trump guy in twenty sixteen. I still think that
0: Trump. I'm, I'm still a, I'm still a Trump guy. So.
1: I know, and look, you know what? At this point, if he's the nominee, I'm going to vote for him. But sure. but yeah. I'm a Floridian, so my you know I I lean toward DeSantis. Okay, but you you. I you do you I do think that Trump understood. Yeah. I think Trump understood the Russians. I think he understood the Chinese. I think he understood the Saudis. And I think that's why we didn't have wars when
0: he was president.
1: And I think that we need to get back well, to that.
0: We only did little things like keep peace in the Middle East. Uh, right,
1: right, right. That. The thing we were told couldn't happen. Right. Yeah,
0: uh, this is the Bill Walden show. I'm here with the great geo, geo what are we calling? Geostrategic thinker? What, that's fine. Okay, geostrategic. Ge- Brandon Weikert, a publisher of the Weikert Report, who is very interesting and very accurate on, on all things global. Um, and I'm... I'm this we're in the midst of a discussion where I think I I was upset at the beginning. I'm more upset now. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> you know, for for me, as, as somebody that's led a, you know a fair number of organizations, it starts with good decisions yeah. uh, by your leaders, and it seems like we're making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and we're we're creeping incrementally into a into a World War Three. Um, yeah. With with no real thinking through different alternatives,
1: right? Well, this is sleepwalking to war. This is World War One all over again. And I say this to my friends in D.C., and they freak out and they call me a crazy person and they make fun of me. But this is what this is not World War Two. Everybody's cosplaying Winston Churchill. Uh, they should be worried about being you know Eeyore C- Crow, or they should be worried about being the Kaiser uh, in World. War One, because what we're witnessing now, whether it's in Asia or right now, presently in Ukraine, really Ukraine, is the beginnings of a regional crisis that sparks a larger, unwinnable, protracted world war that in this case could potentially bring down civilization itself, because we're talking loosely about nuclear weapons here. We're talking about going to war using all means, including nukes, and over what? And this is just like World War One. Nobody really knew what they were fighting for. It was just sort of this automatic thing. We kind of just drifted into a position where the world was just at war, and it was the killing fields. And it and and you know it literally just it destroyed European power. People forget
0: well, in World War One, you had all the European powers with their mutual defense treaties. I guess right. that's similar well, to it's NATO. like NATO, yeah, and yeah. Uh, so what's our archduke at sarajevo you know the assassination that uh, that uh, that 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 set the match to the tender? well there was a i think probably the election of joe biden to be honest
1: with you i think that he's yeah. he's just horrendous um but there's a moment in july and our friend stephen bryan was writing about this uh, at the age of times where i also write there was a moment in july of 2021 uh where um the british navy sent a frigate in, off the coast of Crimea, uh, during a, a, a very large Russian naval exercise, and the British frigate was purposely acting very flagrantly toward the Russian uh, ships. So much so that it is believed that the Russian deployed uh, two Mig jets and dropped bombs in front of the the, the British the British frigate. And this is July of 2021. Now it's never mm. been confirmed. Um, but I have heard from multiple sources that that is that is what happened because the British were acting
0: so brazenly. Well, was this when the uh, the madman was uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson? Yeah. And isn't Boris Johnson still also out with Zelensky arguing to make yeah. a nuke, uh, yes. nuke Moscow? I mean, yes, he, he was then Prime Minister. Yes. So this yes. is consistent with his view about yes. Russia. He's still yeah. advocating that he's and over you know, here.
1: And you know we need to remember that the Russians—they are imperialists. They have a history of imperialism. Um, they're not—they're not good guys. But the the bottom line here is that that we really did things to antagonize um, a bear. You know, we really we went out of our way to antagonize the situation. Guys like Boris Johnson. You know, and that's why this incident that's kind of been covered up, I think that is a huge trigger, because if you look July 21, that incident happens, the Russians are going, I think the the NATO allies are going to start something with us. And then that's when suddenly you had, you know, um,
0: later that year, we announced that uh, we were going to push with getting Ukraine into NATO. That was, yeah, I mean,
1: that was yes, that was a trigger that was that was the big one. Um, And if you remember in April of 2021, a few months before the incident with the British, um, Biden met with Putin, and Putin was laughing at his to him at his face, because Putin saw this, this, this crumbled man, who's the president. And at one point, Biden apparently said that, you know, if, if, and I'm paraphrasing, but, you know, if Russia takes little parts of Ukraine, it's not a big deal. And that, you know, at that point, it's over, because he the the Russians are thinking, okay, well, the Americans are going to let us do this. And so there's a lot of, you know, confusing signals. And I think that the Russians thought we were weak, we were weak and confused. Uh, and I think that that was when they thought they could really punch us in the nose.
0: Well, we've already dated this for February, early February 2023. Where do we go from here? I do believe the yeah. for a while people were saying well the russians are spent they've got hundreds of thousand young men leaving the country they're not going to be able to build a big army well that that turns out not to be true they've got right. they've got a lot of army a lot of soldiers uh, massing as we speak right Their thoughts about a winter offensive and i also think that they're they're thinking now that originally they had limited objectives of just those what are they four um what do we call those? The, the, the breakaway states, republics. Uh, yeah. Breakaway republics in South Crimea, right? Yeah. Um, now they've got more more right. uh, robust robust ambitions uh, to take Kiev. I mean, is that what mm. is is that true? I mean, I mean, one of the things I asked a friend I, who I was talking about having you on, I said one of the things we want to ask is how do we know what we think we know? I mean, right. this particular war seems to be yeah uh, among others among many things uh, subject to so much disinformation
1: yeah well it's certainly as Churchill said it's surrounded by a bodyguard of lies um, yeah. some of that is yeah. some of that is necessary obviously in wartime both sides are going to do that um, but in the case of the Russians so I hear 700,000 um, what I have heard from people that are private military contractors in fact one of the the gentlemen in my community here he is gun running right now for nato um he's a retired navy guy and he he spends half the year in lvov um gun running an interesting
0: neighborhood you've got a gun uh, gun yeah yeah
1: he's he's a yeah he's he's a very interesting guy he's he's on the city council here actually um but he um he, I saw him over Christmas, and what he was telling me, and this was this was during Christmas. He said that um, it's getting bleak for the supply lines, that that as he sees it. And what he told me was that, um, you know, he he sends me occasionally some WhatsApp messages with what's going on, and then I hear things from people that have been private military contractors over there. Um, and my sense is maybe they have seven hundred thousand troops, the, the Russians, or, but it looks like there's definitely between 300 and 350,000 that they have so far moved into position now I think they're trying to galvanize more um but definitely I would they, be very they don't need
0: seven hundred thousand I mean they no don't they, don't. they don't they don't
1: if you look at the population base um you know the reason Ukraine survived last year largely because of weapons from from us and targeting intelligence from us but it was also because Putin You know, he thought he could go in there with 160 or 190,000 troops and just scare the bejesus out of the Ukrainians and that they drop their guns and run away like they did in Crimea in 2014. He didn't realize that seven years of hard training and hard equipping from NATO um, and the fact that they have strong leadership now in Kyiv, that that was going to change the dynamic. So he basically got humiliated. Um, He went in with a small force, though, I think, because he was hoping to just negotiate. And but, when that didn't happen, that changed things.
0: But did Zelensky get, uh, is it true that in March of 2000, I guess, uh, March of last year, that he, he was ready to talk with Putin? Yeah. And then he got talked out of it, uh, maybe yeah. putting it mildly, by Boris Johnson. That's and, correct. And, uh, and uh, yeah. you know, the Americans.
1: There's a guy, uh, you know, Zelensky, I know a lot of people have problems with Zelensky. I actually feel kind of bad for the guy. He's got a terrible position. He's got a terrible card. We're going to hang down. him out
0: to dry. I don't think. Yeah, we are just virus. like
1: we did the Afghans. Um, yeah. um, so on the one hand, I don't like attacking him because I, I just think that that's a terrible position to be in. And I think he has done some good things for Ukraine. Um, but there's a guy who's I think his foreign minister, Kuleba. Kuleba's, Kuleba's psychotic. Kuleba is the guy who um, convinced Zelensky to sign a bill in 2021 that made it the law of Ukraine's government to seek to restore Crimea through force to Ukraine. This is before the war began. That's one of the big triggers of the war, by the way, was that law. Um, Kuleba then, as you're talking about with Boris Johnson, basically, Zelensky led an effective defense of Kiev. He saved his country. He saved he saved the core of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Zelensky understood. Zelensky's a Russian speaker. He understands Putin. Zelensky understood. I cannot hold out indefinitely. He was down.
0: born a Russian speaker. That yes. was his first language. Yes.
1: So Zelensky reaches out, I believe, to Lavrov, who was the foreign minister for Russia, trying to get the opening of bid of a, of a deal. Well, Kuleba, the foreign minister of Ukraine, gets wind of this and basically calls Brussels, calls London, and is like, hey, he's going to cut a deal. Boris Johnson gets on a plane the next day and is in Kyiv and the famous pictures of him touring and hand in hand. But behind the scenes, he supposedly strong armed Zelensky and was like, we've given you all this help. You are not going to stop this. You are going to keep going and you're going to restore Ukrainian sovereignty. You're going to break the Russian military in the field for us. And that sounds great on paper, but you know, Boris Johnson's a politician. He doesn't understand tactics or strategy clearly. The Russians, once that point of no return was reached, once the Russians realized they're not going to get a deal. That's it. It's now total war. And that's why now you have Putin sounding like the mullahs in Iran, talking about how we're run by Satanists and, and pedophiles. And, you know, well, I mean, he sound you right.
0: there's some truth to that. Right. There's an element of truth. There, right?
1: truth to that. So, you know, even Russian, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the
0: social issues, but, uh...
1: <laughs> but, but, but you understand though. I mean, yeah, there's was a real shift in Russia's yeah. demeanor. I mean, the Russians were, you know, they've done terrible things. Sure. I'm not defending them, but
0: it's well, russia nobody's, nobody's a hero everybody's right. a little villainous in this i mean it's right not a, yeah
1: right and right and so the point is though is that the moment that kuleba got johnson to put pressure on zelensky to end the negotiations that's the end of ukraine because now putin's in a position where he can't lose if he loses he's going to lose his position so he staked his whole legitimacy on this thing he's all in And now you're seeing this, which is why now we're talking about nuking Moscow over. And this is why the Chinese, I think, are getting scared. And they're sending these satellites over to us trying to figure out, are the Americans going to go nuclear? What is going on here? Because we're not acting like we should be acting.
0: Well, Stephen Bryan talks about the possibility. He's not predicting it, but there's a possibility that Zelensky's regime is not going to survive much longer. It's not. And the thing that's I I asked somebody yesterday about: Are we getting? Where are we getting our information from about the war? Is it coming from the the, the Zelensky propaganda machine? Do we have a multiple multiple sources? I mean, how do how do we know what's going on? So for me,
1: in the beginning, I was relying on a lot of mainstream sources, and I realized pretty quickly that that's not reliable. Um, There are things that they were promising us in the beginning that I thought sounded believable, and you look at it and you go, we're a year into this war and we're farther from an end than we were six months ago. So any mainstream Western source, you should probably just throw away. Um, I There's a, there's some wonderful blogs that I've been reading. They're, like I said, I have contacts that I've been talking to on the ground. Um, here's something that people don't realize. I have always held off saying this, but I'm going to say it now. Um, the US and its allies have Ah, uh, people on the ground embedded with Ukrainian forces. Um, we, you know, they call the term is sheep dipping. Basically, there are people wearing Ukrainian, you know, you know, uh, uniforms or posing as individual private mercenaries. There was a young man a few weeks ago who was tragically killed. He sounded like a wonderful person. Um, I think he was a 29-year-old former Green Beret, or Green Beret, um, that the official story is he went AWOL in Syria in 2019 and ended up joining a private military firm to stand with the Ukrainians because he believed in the cause. I think he was a black ops guy. I think How, this how analogous Beret. is
0: the, is to the, quote, advisors we sent in in Vietnam? This is exactly analogous. This is exactly, okay. so I, and there's another guy, I talked
1: to um, who was who was an advisor in Vietnam and he said that do you really think that they're going to train those guys and just let those guys go fight and die they're going to go they're going to go with them because those are their guys, they're going to go fight with them they're going to lead their troops regardless of whether they're Ukrainian or not. Um, and so you have a lot, particularly in Bakhmut, my understanding is there was a contingent of Australians there. Uh, we, you know, it's a it's a Baskin 31 well, flavors. They so.
0: ought to be able to I mean, they're not going to share with us to because of their, what they're doing. But I mean, there ought to be some some feet on the ground there to tell us uh, what's actually happening. Yeah, well, we we do have the, you know,
1: government does, we have spies, we have paramilitaries, we yeah. don't have any media people, though. And so it's very hard to get in, it, which is why you have to really go scrubbing the internet for some of these blogs, uh, and, you know, and there's no opposition media in Ukraine. I mean, no, know. they've okay. shut that down. It's, I mean, you know, they've they've shut it down, because it's a war. Um, but in the West, in general, it's just it's, it's just like COVID all over again, where you had people like myself, who were saying, hey, this thing came from a bio lab, and we were shut down, we were censored immediately, we were ratioed and all of that. It's the same thing now with the Ukraine. There's an official narrative in the West. There is an agenda um, and again, I'm pro-Ukraine, but I'm also a realist here. I got where I do not want to
0: go to nuclear well, war. We're, for all, Ukraine. we're all pro-Ukraine in the sense, right. that You don't want the, the, this terrible stuff right. that's happening to them. But I, you know, I put out a headline last week: it's high time for a ceasefire in Ukraine. And yeah, there's not going to be one. We know there is not going to be one. No. No, um, okay. this was, this was,
1: this was my point is that, you know, last year That's you and I little,
0: talked, little, yeah, continue. Sorry.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. I
0: didn't mean to cut you off though. I, I uh, yeah, <laughs> go ahead. You, you're okay. You're, your head's much more filled with the uh, facts than you so. Know,
1: than you so know. last year I was, as you know, one of the ones saying, let's get a deal. Let's get a deal. But in, in global politics, the, you know, you've got a window and if it closes, good luck getting it open again. That window's closed. The moment that Putin, you know, mobilized those forces in December of last year, going into this year, um, that was Putin saying, I'm done, I'm walking away. And it's now either going to be my survival and victory or it's going to be theirs and i don't think it's going to be theirs and so now putin is going to push he's going to this is going to become a traditional i think russian war where they're going to grind out the ukrainians they're going to uh, trip them they're going to basically bleed them in the field and we're going to watch it happen and we're going to say hey the tanks are coming the tanks are coming 73 or 81 tanks versus the 200 T-90Ms that Russia's sending and the hundreds of T-72s and the possibly, you know, I mean, this is insane. Hey, we don't have
0: the tanks. It's going to take months and months and months. It's going to take years. The Abrams
1: have to be built and they don't know how to operate them. That's right. And so this is, this is, we have set the Ukrainians up for slaughter. Um, The Russians are going to win this thing. I think at this point, it might take Eight months, it might take another year, but this is this is just like World War II. The Russians, once they get going, they start grinding you out and they bleed you dry. And when while the Russians don't have the population base they did in World War II, their population is still larger than the Ukrainians. And that's, that's the bottom line, that they have numbers they can throw into a meat grinder and still walk out relatively well. Think Grant versus the South in the Civil War. He didn't win by superior tactics necessarily. He won because he had a lot of people he could throw at the South, and the South couldn't withstand it. It's the same thing here. So what does the United States do? Well, that's the big question, isn't it? And I think that's why we've got Chinese balloons scoping out our our nuclear silos. I think the whole world is wondering what the hell are the Americans going to do? Because on the one hand, you know, Biden is seen as more of sort of this kind of stable figure. He was, you know, he's Mr. Calm compared to Trump or whatever. But in reality, you look at what he has let happen under his watch, how we have literally gone up that escalation ladder right up to the brink of nuclear war. who knows? Uh, there's another gentleman that I speak with. He says, you know, we go back and forth. He goes, they're not, because the Russians have no need to nuke Ukraine because they've got all the resources now in place to just bleed them dry without nukes. He said, the thing you need to worry about is NATO nuking uh, Russia as a Parthian shot. And, you know, at first I went, oh, come on. But, you know, the more I think about it and you look at the rhetoric surrounding what NATO's saying um, about this war, um, Biden needs to be seen as winning. And Biden has become Mr. You know World War Three. This is he's the FDR. He's gone from you know trying to do all these big domestic bills to now he's shifting to World War Three. So if we're going to lose, who knows what we're going to do? May, maybe we do fire off a Parthian shot, and maybe that's the trigger for something even worse. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's the scary thing is I can't predict it at this point because it's been so unstable. If it were me. If, if I were advising NATO, I would say stop with the aid to Ukraine, tell the Poles, because this is the big issue, is, is we need to protect Eastern Europe, that Poland is the future of Europe, it is one of our best allies, I am very partial to the Poles, so I have a bias here, I love Poland, um, if it were me, I would tell the Poles Except that the Russians are going to take eastern Ukraine and southern Ukraine, that they're going to hold those territories. Move your forces into the region known as Galicia, which is western Ukraine, and annex it, and put a line of control through Kiev and tell the Russians, you're going to take everything east and south of that, but we're getting the west. You will not put your troops on our borders. And I think that would end this conflict right away. I think that's what Putin always wanted. Putin's goal has always been the end of the Ukrainian state. And he's going to get that one way or the other. So what we need to figure out as an alliance is how far are we going to let him go? Are we going to let him go all the way up to Poland's border? Or are we going to tell the Poles go in and secure Western Ukraine, and then make it, we're going to make a deal. Because the other alternatives are, we're talking World War III with nukes. We're, I mean, really bad things, you know? And so there's no good options here.
0: So this is the Bill Walton show. I'm with Brandon Weikert. And I think I'm hearing that one plausible outcome for this catastrophe in Ukraine is the partition of Ukraine. And half of it goes to Russia and half of it goes to Poland. Yeah. And well, John, well done Biden and Joe and, uh, Boris Johnson waiting for guys. Right. They've made the world weaker,
1: not stronger. And the United States, um, you know, once, once Russia is able to collapse Ukraine, um, you're going to see some knock-on effects in NATO, uh, NATO is going to divide. You're already seeing those divisions now, but they've been papered yeah. over because as long as Ukraine is fighting, the, the hope is that NATO can stay together. But once Ukraine is, is gone, um, Germany is, is already aggravated, the people are, understandably, with the economic situation because of these sanctions. They're going to elect a far left and or far right coalition government that is pro-Russia and anti-NATO. France, Emmanuel Macron is increasingly a man, uh, island onto himself. The French, if you read the French press, actually, we talked about the media. Actually, if anybody can get a hold of the French newspapers, it's probably some of the best dissenting opinions that you'll find in the West. The French papers have a lot of dissent going on. Um, dissent so if you, against
0: what we're doing in Ukraine. They're saying, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, saying they want a deal. Don't don't yeah. go too far. Um, so if you if you look at the French newspapers and you know the French are the French, um, the, Macron is increasingly a man on his own. He his government will not survive if NATO if NATO loses in Ukraine and it will be replaced by also a more pro Russian regime in paris which is going to
0: kill nato unity so poland sorry so let's talk about nato's capabilities because you sure know, trump came in he was talking about how oh, the united states has been funding everything and provides you know 70 80 not whatever the percentage is of of the of the military clout that nato has it seems to me like one outcome here is that the united states get mar- gets is getting marginalized in that's NATO. the key And they've got another uh, they've got another alliance here that doesn't include the United States. So
1: that has always been the dream of France and Germany is to create a pan-European military economic alliance. They've never been able to get it done. Um, The British and the Poles have never wanted that to happen. The Eastern Europeans have always tried to keep the Americans engaged. It's been in our interests, I think, to have some hand in Europe. Um, But Not at the expense of our other issue dealing with the Middle East, Iran, dealing with China, which is what's happened now, is we're sacrificing more core areas of interest of our own to Europe, which is a problem. So um, the capabilities are, without the United States and Britain and Poland, um, France is the next major military player in Europe, and they're very hesitant to go too far against russia germany's the major economic player they've been very hesitant to go against russia so you have western
0: europe subdividing away from the rest of, of europe um in the process yeah well let's put that in context because you've written interestingly and it was a i think tr- accurately that we had a u.s led world order from the end of world war ii and through, I think, mainly bad decisions by the United States in administration after administration. This is a bipartisan problem. It's not Democrat versus Republican. Um, We've really lost that preeminence. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going we're going from a world that was pretty much dominated by the United States and our our democracy promotion efforts and our attempts to bring the world into a a global economic order. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to be gone it's all gone and what let's do this what's let's what's this chessboard look like now if this thing plays out the way you're
1: we are at the beginnings probably beginning in 2017 we but but we are definitely right now in the in the birth pangs of a a new world order it is a unfortunately a post-american one it is a world order um, in which it is a multipolar system, uh, really a tripolar system, in my opinion. The United States, China, uh, Russia, with Russia being declining, but so is the United States. China's ascendant, I think. Um, and I think the Chinese think that. Um, and so it is going to be a world not built on cooperation, not built on unity. It's going to be a world built on competition. It's going to look a lot more like 19th century Europe. Then it is going to be looking like post Cold War global system that we've had.
0: So where does the Klaus Schwab globalist uh, world order global reset fit into this? I know it's another another day. He, he's working mainly They're in the irrelevant. economic dimension, but uh, seems like that's a thing of the that's a relic of the past.
1: They're irrelevant. They, the most they're going to be able to do is terrorize people in America and Europe, but the, the, <laughs> which the they rest, do, right? Right. But but the Chinese and yeah. the Russians and the Iranians, they don't care one iota about right. Klaus Schwab, and they think they're clowns, and right. they're going to ignore them. Um, and so we're witnessing the birth of a new world order that's post-American that, that, by the way, is hostile to America because now you have regimes in China and Russia in particular who truly believe, if given the opportunity, the United States would destroy their, their regime. So now they're building the capabilities and the resources to, at the very least, prevent that from happening and maybe even to roll back American-style culture democracy that has pervaded the whole world since at least the end of the cold war um and meanwhile our system here is collapsing at home and that's another thing especially in china they talk about this all the time they say that the americans are declining and you look at the way that we reacted to this balloon um we freaked out like had a hissy fit over a balloon um this is not the same country that put men on the moon it's not the same we don't we aren't the same country. We are a weaker country and a sadder country. Um, and the rest of the world sees that, and they, they don't want to follow that. And so the whole system is reforming into a multipolar one um, that is going to be limiting American power at every turn. That will be the thrust
0: of that system, limiting the Americans. Oh, my it just seems like everything we've touched in the last seventy years since World War II, we've messed up. Yeah, we we have. have countries that we've gone into. You know, Afghanistan. I mean, my God, eighty right, eighty billion dollars of equipment and and all the people that worked with us stranded in a hostile, uh, hostile. still there.
1: In some some cases, we still have American citizens. This is yeah, not widely reported. We have uh, Americans
0: still stuck there. So the internationalists in the in the in the State Department, they've got a lot to answer for. And, no, they don't. They're going to keep getting promoted and they'll keep getting their pensions. Well, <laughs> in my, in my, in my tribunal, they do, <laughs> of course, not in there. They will, they'll, they'll survive
1: and thrive. And there yeah. we go. And, you yeah. know, DC will be the last place that falls in America. <laughs> they, they will not know it's all turning to garbage until, you know, it's the stink is right there.
0: So. Well, you know, I'm a member of a lot of the clubs in, in DC <laughs> and I, I look around and I, you know, I'm having conversations with like-minded people like you. And I look around the room and I say, what are these people thinking? You know, but right. I guess you're right. They, they do think they'll be the last ones. They'll be the last ones. The last and ones they're so making many.
1: deals with China. I mean, people yeah. need to remember also, they're making deals with China, Bill. They want to do business with China. Even today, mm-hmm. they talk a big game about, oh, we don't like what China's doing against Taiwan, but that their actions say otherwise.
0: Their actions are that they're making deals with these people. You know, my friend Frank Gaffney keep bringing me on his show to talk about corporations in China, Wall Street in China, Mm -hmm. and he's dismayed because I remind him, you know, the Hall of Silicon Valley has investments in in hundreds, if not thousands Mm of of technology companies in China, including a lot of artificial intelligence uh, companies. Exactly. and, uh, you know, BlackRock has dying to do more business. Yep. Right? And so is JP Morgan. I mean, yep. even today, I mean, they're just looking for this latest uh, assault to pass away so they can they can yep. keep, uh, keep expanding well, there.
1: Well, Bill, Google in 2019 made a big show of saying they were pulling out under congressional pressure, their AI program in Beijing. Um, but as I did the research and I... I've shown this in my writing. What they did was they officially pulled out Google, but they kept the head of Google's AI program teaching at University of Tsinghua, which is the Chinese equivalent of MIT. And what he has been doing for the last four years, three years, is integrating uh, a social network of Chinese AI researchers and keeping that conduit and pipeline open to Google Central so that eventually when the congressional pressure, Google thinks, when the congressional pressure goes away on the tech war with China, Google can just kind of parachute back in and pick up right where they left off. And this is how Silicon Valley is operating. You know, my next book's coming out uh, in May called Biohacked, and it's all about the 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 grotesque oh. marriage between American biotech sector as well as the National Institute of Health uh, and Chinese biotech and how that's being weaponized by China's military um, being funded and and supported by American companies and American government
0: and it fits right into our new medical state that we're dealing yep. with yeah well Brandon this. I'm only looking at a clock here that says we're supposed to stop talking. Uh, I could. I could keep, keep going. going. <laughs> we can keep going. Why don't let's plan a part two? Um, yeah. We've we've reached a point now where we're basically uh, uh, staring at the abyss. Maybe yeah. maybe next time we can figure out a way to get us out of this abyss, or maybe get us on a path to uh, to survival here, which uh, which looks like an increasingly tough one. Yeah, it's going to require new leadership. Yeah, new leadership. Yeah. Brandon Weikert, author of the Weikert Report. We can find you at the Brandon Weikert. We the Brandon. at We, we the, the Brandon. Brandon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your handle on Twitter. Where else yeah. can we find you?
1: Um, that's the primary one. If, I'm also okay. on Truth Social under the same name, We the
0: Brandon. So. I love that uh well you can find us at the bill walton show I, I need to be more clever like brandon but it's it'll do for now uh and on all the major podcast platforms and rumble and youtube and uh, we're also on the cpac now uh channel on monday nights with with our show which, and of course um uh, substack and we get a lot of comments there very interested in your reaction to this show and brandon will be back and uh Tell us what you'd like us to talk uh, talk about next and we'll uh, sure. do it. So anyway, thanks for joining and uh, to be continued. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Want more? Click the subscribe button or head over to thebillwaltonshow.com to choose from over 100 episodes. You can also learn more about our guest on our Interesting People page. And send us your comments. We read everyone and your thoughts help us guide the show. If it's easier for you to listen, check out our podcast page and subscribe there. In return, we'll keep you informed about what's true, what's right, and what's next. Thanks for joining.